0: Says now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask according to the power that works in us. Now I don't want this message to get bogged down in in uh, little theological details, but there's a couple of there's a couple of definitions here that you need to know about in the Greek language when Paul wrote this, and it's in that last phrase that that says it's according to the power that works in us. So God is able to do beyond your wildest imagination everything that he has said in his word that you have read either in the Old or New Testament. God is able to do that because he's God and he does not change. And he's able and eager to do that work in your life. But how does it take place? The scripture says it is according to the power that is at work in you. And that word power, as some of you may know, is the word dynamis. We get the word dynamite from it. And what does dynamite do? Dynamite explodes, but it explodes from the inside out. The power of dynamite doesn't happen because something comes upon it. It happens because it has something inside of it and it blows out. So that's dynamis. And so Paul says, God's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you think or ask according to the dynamite or that explosive inner power that, and here's the next word, works in you. And that word works is very similar, but it's not the same word. It is the word energio. And that word is the word, if you've never heard it before, I bet you can guess what it means in English is energy. Praise the Lord. God has a wonderful, endless energy program. Glory to God. And so he is saying to us, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you think or ask, but it is regulated by, it is according to the dynamite, the dynamo, the power of God that is energized within you. So there's something that God has put in you and I that is explosive. And as it explodes, it furnishes energy in you to do what God wants to do through you. Now, as people of God, we don't wait for good fortune in our circumstances to energize us, like the people of the world. People of the world get excited when something exciting outside of them offers them an opportunity. Good fortune energizes the people of the world, but we're not like that. Our energy comes from within us. It's generated by the explosive power of your communion with the Holy Spirit. Your life as a Christian is energized by what's happening in you as you commune with the Spirit and the Word of God. As the psalmist would say, selah, which in modern language means, let that sink in. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now, people in the world depend upon the condition of their circumstances to energize them. And so most people that don't know the Lord are like herds migrating through life, looking for an energy source, looking for water, looking for food. They're looking for something to energize their life. But we, in the midst of a desert where there is nothing that is cooperative with our desires or what we want, are able to be energized by an explosion that takes place within us. Can you say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Philippians 2.13 is one of my favorites. It says, it is God who is at work, and again, there is that word energio. Energizing you. It is God who is at work, energizing you both to will and to work for or to do, again, the work energy, His good pleasure. So, how does God get His will done in this life? He gets His will done by releasing the vision, the will, the purpose of what He wants to do in you as you and the Holy Spirit fellowship, with your Bible sitting in your lap, as you're reading the Word of God, as you're praying, as you're interacting with Him, your life comes from within you. Your purposes come from within you. No matter what your bank accounts say, no matter what the circumstances in your important relationships or your physical condition, the things that dictate and determine God's will for your life unfold from that fellowship that produces energy within. Can you say amen? Amen. So the Holy Spirit energizes us from the inside as we act upon the Word of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit doesn't require cooperation from circumstances in order to bless you with the energy you need to accomplish God's will. So that's why we say whether the circumstances are favorable Sometimes we like it when the adversaries we face are 10 feet tall, like David faced Goliath. You know, David wouldn't have been anything without Goliath. We all want the testimony, but we don't want the test. But the fact is, it's the test that brings out the testimony, and yet it's not the test that produces the testimony. It's the fact that when we are in those places, where do we turn? We need to stop frantically looking around for conditions to rise in favor for us, and we need to fellowship with the Word and the Spirit of God because that's where the explosions are going to take place. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and verse 13, it says, Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received His message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word, here's the part for you, and this word continues to work, again, energy, in you who believe. So the Apostle Paul said, I thank God that when you heard us preach the gospel, you let it into your heart as the word from God. And so when you did, God began to energize you from within. I don't worry about what's going to happen in Thessalonica or what's happening around you because God's word is working on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Let me put it to you like this. Every word of God is loaded with endless self-fulfilling power every word of God is filled with the power to fulfill and bring itself to pass in order to be fulfilled. The only conditions that the word of God needs or requires is to work in your faith and your obedience. God's word is sown in our hearts, and that's where that explosion of life and power, that's what he requires. Nothing needs to be set up for God's Word to work out in the world. God changes the world by His kingdom that works within us. Can you say praise the Lord? In John's Gospel, chapter 4, Jesus tells us that the hour is coming and now is where the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Those are the two qualifiers. God works His will in the world through people who worship in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such to worship Him. Why does God seek people to worship by communing with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God on the inside? It's because that's where He affects the world. That is His door, his entrance into this world. We think that God floats down through the atmosphere, that he comes through the stellar heavens and he just moves upon the face of the earth and he does whatever he's going to do. And you know, um, I don't know, there there may be, to a certain extent or another, there may be some truth to that. But the one thing I do know according to the scriptures is that he always seeks to get the attention of people like you and I and get us to hear his word, to believe it, to receive his spirit and let let our hearts and affection and attention begin to turn inwardly to him and to our communion, our relationship with him. And then out of it, he brings revolutions. He brings transformations. He changes nations. He raises up and he puts down and he does it through people like Abraham or Peter or you. He uses people who will worship him in spirit and truth. It's how he executes his will in this world. So when Satan raises circumstances up against you, begin to worship in spirit and truth. Worship in what you know God has said to you. Begin to declare what God has said and energia will take place. Divine energy, energy that's beyond your capabilities, will rise from within you. That's what a vessel is, praise the Lord. And that energy will begin to explode within you and rise and raise you above your circumstances. You know, I've entitled this message, The Climb. And the reason for it is because life is a mountain. Death and hell are in the valley. Jesus and his kingdom of mercy and grace are at the summit. And you are somewhere on the slopes climbing. And the, the Bible tells us that it is absolutely imperative that we press ahead in life. You remember in Philippians where Paul said, I press ahead And anyone who wants to be mature, follow that same rule. Keep pressing forward in life. But how often do you allow Satan to talk you into stopping your climb? Somewhere on those slopes this morning, between the misery and the pain that hell holds and Jesus promises fulfilled at the summit of this mountain of life, you are living and hopefully climbing and moving. But Satan will tell you to stop striving for the cloud-shrouded mountaintop. You can't see what's up there. Sometimes it seems a little mysterious. Stop your climb. Do you listen to him when he tells you, stop climbing? You've gone as far as you need to go. Satan will tell you things like, there's nothing, uh, there is nothing for you up there at the top. I have everything your flesh needs down here in the valley. So just take it easy, stop, drop, and roll. (laughs) And just let nature take its course, and you'll roll right down, of course, and find yourself in a place that your flesh enjoys for a while anyway. Um, He says things to you like, uh, uh, you know, don't, uh, don't worry about, uh, about uh, uh, being perfect. God never made anybody perfect. Whatever He can say to you to get you to stop striving, stop putting one leg in front of the next, stop taking your exertion and your human effort and climbing that mountain. Just relax. God wants you to Rest. But don't let the devil preach his theological lies to you and drain your energy that you need for the climb. As I said, he'll tell you, relax. This is as far as God wants you to go. You've matured. You're where you're supposed to be. How many of you are retired, stalled out spiritually, on the side of that mountain, believing the lie that Satan has said? You're fine. You're good. Has he lied to you and told you that if, that uh, you're not supposed to be using your own strength to climb for the things of God? Has he ever told you something like that? Has he ever said, you, you shouldn't be striving in your own efforts to mature, to rise up, to lay hold of the things of God. But that's just a theological lie that he uses to de-energize you and I, to get you and I to stop. Relaxation oftentimes is just another word for stop the climb. Stop the climb. Just camp out. Or something like, if God wanted you to have more, He'd come down from that summit and He would give it to you. If God wanted you to have these blessings, He'll come down and He'll meet you where you're camped out. And he'll give it to you. And in fact, you can take the fact that you don't have these blessings in your life or these provisions that the Bible says are yours. You can take the fact that you don't have them as an indication that you're where you're supposed to be. Stop struggling, the devil says. But the truth is, is that God did come down from that summit. Jesus came down from that mountaintop. He went all the way down to the very opening of the valley and he carved a path that cannot be blocked up to the summit. Hallelujah. And then he sent the Holy Spirit down, even down into the valley. He sent the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is on those slopes today. The Holy Spirit is guiding people into Jesus' path and energizing their strength and their determination to go all the way to the summit. The Holy Spirit is your coach. The Holy Spirit is your helper. He is filling you along the way with everything that you need to reach the summit, to reach the pinnacle, to reach the fulfillment of the promise of God in your life. In Philippians, Paul writes continue working out your salvation with awe and reverence. You continue working out your salvation with awe and reverence. For it is God who is at work, again that word, at work in you, both to will and to energize you for His good purpose. Let me say something to you to clear up misinformation. A dreadful campaign of misinformation that Satan has launched through the ages to take the climb out of the heart of God's people. Now I'd like to correct it right now and tell you, tell you that the only thing that's going to get you to the summit is your own determination and exertion. So when your legs give out, Let your tongue keep climbing. Let your heart keep climbing. When you're on your hands and knees and you can't take another step and life has discouraged you and taken the wind out of your sails, let your spirit keep climbing. Let your tongue begin to proclaim, proclaim your destination. I am moving upwards. I am moving onwards to the things of God. I won't stop. I won't be held back. Don't let your will die on those slopes. Don't let your will go to sleep because the Holy Spirit cannot fill a dead will. There has to be desire for God. There has to be some determination, some exertion on our part for God to come alongside. For the Bible says we are fellow workers with Him. Jesus isn't carrying dead weight through life. He is walking with us as we walk. Can you say praise the Lord? You can make it, but you're the only one who can convince yourself that you need to keep moving towards the top. Can you say amen? Amen. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, our text above all that we think or ask, according to the power that is at work in us. The the power of God has to be manifest in our climb, our effort, our work. Never, never, never give up on your climb to the summit of God's fullness in your life. If Jesus promised you victory over Satan and over his bondages, then climb and pursue until you're filled with overflowing and overflowing with the evidence of freedom. Don't stop climbing until that freedom is manifest in your life. If Jesus promised to answer you, to answer your questions, and to give you wisdom, then climb and pursue until all your questions and your petitions are answered and resolved. Don't give up. Don't stop. If Jesus promised to fill you and to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, why should you be the one person who is not walking in the fullness of the Spirit? If He is no respecter of person, and if He spoke a parable to you saying, if you ask your father for bread, will He give you a serpent? Will He give you a stone? No, no. How much more if you ask your father, he will give you the Holy Spirit to those that ask. Never give up, keep asking, until you are overflowing with the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Let's stop leaving God's purposes unfinished. You are called to be a fulfiller and a finisher of God's will. You're not just a little pet, a pet project, and the Lord's gonna drag you to the summit. You are a fulfiller. He is manifesting His power, His glory in you. He is showing the world what God can do in a poor man or a poor woman who was broken in sin and lost and weak without Him. Therefore, Paul said, I rejoice in my weaknesses. Because when I'm weak, he is strong. But Paul was a man that never gave up. Hallelujah. He was a climber. You are called to be a fulfiller. You are a fulfiller. You are a finisher of God's work. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. 1 Corinthians 9 says, Run to win. You are not called to live in effort. You are called to live in acquisition. Your life is the story of acquiring, not the story of trying. The glory of God is that you receive and fulfill. That God has shown his fulfillment in you, that you have climbed to the top and you have laid hold of eternal life that you have fought the fight of faith and that you are fighting the fight of faith today and you are taking hold of the promises of God. Don't give up, climber. Hallelujah. You are an acquisition, not an effort. Again, in Philippians, the third chapter, Paul writes, I strive. And that word strive is, the English word we use for it is pursue. I pursue to lay hold of that for which Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have attained this. Listen to him. He, this man didn't let the devil tell him, you've gone as far as God wants you to go. Don't ever let the devil tell you that some level of intimacy in God, some fulfillment, some filling, some laying hold of the promise of God is not for you, it's for somebody else. Don't let him speak you into an early retirement that's not God's will for your life. Paul said, I pursue. I haven't yet attained. So how do I know I'm supposed to continue to pursue? Because I haven't attained it yet. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to have attained this. Instead, I am single-minded, forgetting the things that are behind, reaching out for what lies ahead of me. And with this goal in mind, I press forward to the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. So, friends, ask yourself this morning this question. Have I tapped all that God has for me? Is this it? Is this it? Have I reached my full level? Have I finished my course? Am I operating at the full capacity of the Holy Spirit? If the answer is no, then you have no business living in spiritual retirement. There's more for you to get hold of. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. Your life is ordained to end with the climber's prize, not quitter's remorse. The top is yours. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all of the promises of God, all of them, greater works than what I have done, you shall do because I go to the Father. And in John 16.7, Jesus said, I go to the Father so I can send you the Comforter, so that I can send the Holy Spirit. And then he continued the conversation in Acts 1.8. He says, but you shall receive power. When the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be witnesses for me, to do works that I've done and greater because I go to the Father. Oh, listen, friend. The devil would love for the church to believe that the greater work is people getting saved. Not to minimize salvation or people getting saved, but that's awesome. But God's not the limiter. Satan is the limiter. Any way he can carve off the intention of God, the will of God, and eliminate it so that people stop climbing. They stop reaching. They stop being open. They stop seeking. They stop pursuing. The Bible says, desire the best gifts. The love, the fruit of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Why should I or you live without them? Why should we settle for one thing that the devil says, this is what God wants you to have, and stop your climb and just sit right there. Don't enter heaven with a quitter's remorse, looking back on your life and realizing, oh my God, what I could have been, who I could have been for Jesus. Paul said, I've not yet attained full Christ-likeness. If you want to know what full Christ-likeness looks like, read the Gospels. Because everything Jesus did, All of it is full Christ-likeness. Paul said, I haven't yet attained full Christ-likeness. Yet, Paul was the man who was preaching once in, I don't know if it was Philippi or Thessalonica or one of those towns, and he looks across the audience, sees a man in the back who is lame, and he picks up in his spirit that the man has faith to be healed, and he stops his message. He says, you in the back, stand up and walk. And the man was lame and never walked. He jumped up on his feet and walked. That man said, I have not yet attained full Christlikeness. So this thing I do, forgetting what's behind my failures, my inadequacies, or what I have attained to, I'm not going to get hung up with satisfaction on where I have attained. There's more to go. There's more that is in front of you, hallelujah. are you getting after it? Do you still have some growing up to do? I've known I've known a number of you for a lot of years. I'm not saying anything, I'm just simply saying that it, it, I wouldn't blame you if in reality you you had this thought inside yourself, oh yeah man, I'm fully orbed, I am fully developed, I am fully mature. But I want to ask you the question and I'd like you to ask yourself. Are you there? Do you have some growing to do? Is there an improvement left that can be made in your life? If the answer is yes, then your climb isn't over. Don't let satisfaction harden into a permanent retirement. Never let satisfaction become anything more than momentary appreciation and then move on. Satan uses satisfaction to retire God's people. Are you listening to me? Always remain unsatisfied and thirsty as you experience those momentary celebrations of satisfaction for having attained something. We're in a process but we want to reach everything that God has for us. And quite frankly, let me tell you that the world today is going to need to see Christians that are on that hill climbing. And they're climbing for the top, and they are reaching out to attain everything and leave nothing on the table. Can you say amen? So if discouraging circumstances wear you down, don't let Satan rob your energy and stop your climb. Remember what you are. You're a child of the Most High God. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. The God of the summit resides within you. And He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you think or ask, according to the internal explosion of His energy that's taking place in you. The exploding of His power in you. His Word opening up in you. Don't just be a history major. I love history. And I believe every Christian should know the history of the Word of God, should know the Bible, should know their spiritual heritage, where we've come from, where we're at, and where we're going. There's no premium on ignorance. It's great to know these things. It's better to manifest them. It's better to have them working in your life. You only know them for a reason, so that you can do them. How many of you, please don't feel obligated to raise your hand, no more than you're doing? Let's keep climbing. Can you say amen? amen? Stand with me this morning. It's a simple message. The exhortation, Don't stall out on the slopes. Whatever it is you are pressing into God for, press ahead until you obtain the prize.